honky. Can you feel it? Dave Holmes? I can. I don't know what you're talking about, but I know I can feel it. American Song Contest Fever. Oh, what is that? Yes. <laughs> it's the American version of Eurovision that mm. the Eurovision people are, I guess, officially behind. Uh, NBC is airing it. It starts airing March 21st. Your hosts will be. Do you want to take a guess at who the two hosts are? Well, I was just going to say the fact that it's not Dave Holmes. I'm already. Uh, that's, I'm of course, out. ridiculous. But you know that that's not going to happen. You know, that's not going to happen. I had I had guesses and I was very close. OK, is, are, is one of them a former boy band member? No, um, I don't know. You just tell me. I was going to say Nick Lachey. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, or Lance Bass. Nope. Um, uh, Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I had uh, I had Megan Trainer and Usher. They went up a notch. Um, they've really did. Yeah. 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 So it is. Um. Yeah. All fifty states plus six territories, um, and the District mm. of Columbia, uh, have all selected uh, a song. Um, to represent them. I don't know how they're going to, you know, it's it's like an eight-week thing. I don't know how they're going to narrow it down. This is, of course, America, where you have to, like, you know, capitalist the shit out of it. And so it's going to be like a, a multi-week thing and not just like a one-day event. Um, but all... Um, all of the, all of the, uh, not the songs yet, the songs have not been announced, but the performers um, have all been announced. Um, they Ooh. they include Michael Bolton, The Crystal Method, Reppin' Nevada, Jewel Reppin' Alaska, Love it. and uh, mm. representing Ohio, Miss Macy Gray. Oh. So the people of Ohio have got to be hoping that theirs is a very specific kind of song. That's right. Did not know that Macy Gray was from my home state. I like it. Who do you have from Missouri? Yeah. Uh, we have some young twink. Let me find his name. His name is Brett Sepper or Shepper or something. S-E-P-E-R. Um, I did look him up. He sounds like a, um, you know, a young, uh, a young twink. Um, one to watch, I would say, um, and I'll, I'll send you all of these links, Matt. Uh, but the representative from the state, oh shit, I've lost him. Where was he? There is, uh, oh yeah. The guy from Montana, Jonah Prill is, uh, is like straight out of, uh, HX magazine, you know, in, in the 1990s, he's a country boy. He's a vlogger. Mm. Um, he's got a cute dog. Um, so I think he can't lose. Um, uh, it, we'll, we'll post the links on the, uh, the homophilia Twitter, uh, or the link just to all of the, absolutely. Yeah, you can do your own. I, I assume that you'll be covering it in some capacity for Esquire or for some, maybe, right? maybe, I mean, I'm going to be watching it and I'm not going to do that shit for free. So yeah, probably, I don't know. You know, I, I, um, I did, I shouldn't say this, but I did meet, uh, with some folks at NBC because I was trying to like pitch my services as like the commentator of the Eurovision, um, Brought, like stream which is on peacock and uh and yeah. like halfway through the meeting um they were like oh we are yeah we are doing that like just nobody has any idea that's even happening so i actually oh could just I could just take the job they wouldn't know i could just, I could just show they up they wouldn't know the difference they'll show up i'll invoice whatever 
I, I, I'm not giving up hope that there is not a role for you somewhere in I'll find AmeriVision. One. What is it called? Uh, it's called Ameri- the American Song Contest. The American um, Song Contest. Yeah. Listen, if my role is to, you know, watch from the sidelines and mock it gently, but lovingly, then that's what I'll do. Um, I am just back from Air One. We have a new Air One in, uh, in Studio City. And Matt, uh, masks are over if you want it. Not a soul in the place yeah. is wearing a mask. I yeah, Erewhon is one of those places where it probably could have gone either way yeah. prior to this. Just in terms of is it, who's where people are in terms of vaccinations. Uh, and, yeah, and do they consider yeah. the the product sold in there a cure for COVID? <laughs> yeah. It could go either way. Maximum health or maximum entitlement. It's one of the two. Uh, yeah, yeah. No masks. But I feel it too. I w- went to, took Lincoln to a coffee shop here in Eagle Rock uh, last week. Mm-hmm. One day, everybody's wearing masks. Came in the s- same exact coffee shop, same time, next day, no masks anywhere. Yeah. Just like that. How, where are you emotionally? I feel great. I mean, you know, I've got a wedding coming up. I need to kind of mentally stay on the train that we're moving into yes. the endemic yes. stage. Yes. You know? Yes, indeed. And I, I do feel like, in a way, uh, we'll never be able to put the rabbit back in the hat, mm-hmm. uh, which, mm, you know, could be a terrible thing if if uh, another variant uh, pops up. Yeah. I don't believe that the people will ever tolerate it again, which I, I'm not saying that that's, I mean, that's a bad thing. Obviously. It is a bad thing. It's a bad thing. It seems to be where we're at. You know, you might notice that I look a little lubed up facially, and that is because just prior to recording, I was uh, creating some content for our friends at the Add to Cart podcast, yes. which uh, we're going to be on very soon yes, with are. our friends Kulap Falaisak and Suchin Pak. Uh, get it wherever you get your podcast. It's so good. So and um, I've been doing a little uh, challenge with them with this this device called the Solo Wave. Uh, wait, you have one. I'm holding up a Solo Wave. I do. Wait, so have you started using it? I do. No, oh. I got it in a gift bag, and I and it's sitting here on my desk saying "use me," and I just haven't done it. It, it, it you be, you become addicted to it. You know, there's the serum you really? put on. This is what's terrifying is that the serum is described as like a like con- conductive or a conductor. Like it's it's mm. the electricity mm-hmm. can travel. I think is the idea. Well, yeah. I don't understand the science of any of it, or if there is any actual science behind it. But the the heating vibration uh, experience of it is very pleasurable. Okay. Do I notice any difference? Oh, not really. Yeah, you are a glow, but it could be the lighting. It's the lighting and just frankly, the moisture. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I, I used it once. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then I just, I put it away and there's, you know, we're one of those households that has like 17 remotes. You know what I mean? Like, and we can't mm. narrow it down. Like we keep trying to do one universal remote. It never works. Um, so it just gets, you know, it gets put on the coffee table and then it's just gone. It's, it's in a, a, a whirlpool of small metal devices, but I am going to use it. Yeah. We are doing this episode next week. I'm going to do a quick little, little LCD sprint. Do it. I'm going to do it. Why not? Add to cart coming soon. Matt, who's our guest? Um, our guest today is the one and only Danny Pellegrino. Oh my God! Talk about a long time coming. Yeah, I'm sure every listener already is familiar with Danny. Hopefully, you are listening to his excellent podcast, yeah. Everything Iconic. Uh, he's also the author of a new memoir 
called How Do I Unremember This? Unfortunately, True Stories. He uh, gives us some little tidbits from the book and uh, we talk pop culture and housewives and, um, you know, his family and growing up and uh, we talk mental health and he's so funny and such a sweetheart. And uh, it is, yeah, it's, it's a joy. And I know we say this often, but there are a handful of people where it's like, how have we not had them on the podcast yet? Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, we're kind of in a run of them right now. This is uh, this is an exciting right. time to be a homophilia listener. If there are people who you've been absolutely gagging to hear, guess what? They are locked and loaded, ready to They're go. They're all coming. We spoke to Danny actually uh, a, a few weeks back. We've been holding this one just to really maximize the homophilia bump for this book that is coming out, which you will hear an excerpt from. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to welcome the one and only Danny Pellegrino. David, long, long last, we're here with Danny Pellegrino. The one, what? the only, Danny, hello. Hello. Yes. Hello. I'm so excited because you guys know, I, well, I don't know if you know, I'm such a huge fan. I feel like Matt, I'm constantly messaging you and saying what I, how much I love the episodes. And Dave, I grew up watching you on TRL, so this is just a dream oh, come awesome. true. Oh, that is great to hear. Thank you for listening, thank, and thank you for watching back then. Yeah. I'm actually, as, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to be listening to part two of Michael Patrick King. I'm very excited. <gasps> Great. Uh, can you believe it? A two-parter. And what 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 has where, where are you emotionally with all things and just like that? Well, look, I am loving watching it and I want at least five more seasons of it. But do I think it's a bit of a mess? I sure do. I sure do. And mm-hmm. I know that Matt, I believe you really love it, right? I mean, yes, you yes, could say yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like in a r- religious kind of way. Yes. yes. To me, mm-hmm. to me yeah. the good definitely outweighs the bad. Like I'm and I I never want it to end. So I guess that's where I stand. That is, you know, that is exactly it. It is a lot of it really does work. Uh, And and what doesn't is really fascinating and fun to talk about. But, you know, Danny, the way that you you're in such a unique place, I feel like in pop culture where you are both like an observer and a participant where like, uh, for example, you know, we will often make fun of people from reality TV around here and uh, you know and I, I I'm uh, on on bitch sesh a lot and they have their no tagging rule whereas you are a you know fan of and commenter on, on the real housewives universe among many other things but they're also frequent guests on your show yeah it's a weird so it's a weird line or weird balance I think sometimes but Ultimately, like I'd say about like 90% of my shows is just me commenting on the shows, recapping them. And, and I try my best to be, uh, playfully nice or, or playfully mean, I should say. Like I, I don't ever want to like drag someone so hard, but if they deserve it. And then the other thing is luckily I'm in charge of my shows. So I don't have, to, I can have on whoever I like. So I don't have on people that I think are. Are, are terrible people or something like that. Like I genuinely just get to book the people that I'm into and, and that I think are fun to watch. And usually those tend to be the people that are able to poke fun at themselves too. So, so I don't think mm-hmm. I would ever have someone on, I guess like I remember, um, like Vanderpump Rules is like, I was never interested in having Jax on. Like I don't like right. him on the show. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not, I don't have to have one. Whereas other people from the Vanderpump Rules uh, world, you have, you have flown very close to that sun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I 
co or ghost wrote a book with with two of them. And the one time it was really weird though was BravoCon. I went to that, which was like this big Bravo Con, big Bravo event. And I was doing this thing on the red carpet interviewing people. And that was pretty much like every Bravo personality would come by. And it was like that was a little weird because there were definitely people where I was like, oh, I just was on my show completely dragging you. <laughs> and then here I am talking to you. But your show's so popular, a lot of them must have heard it and and have wanted to call you out on it or, you know, set the record straight. Yeah, there was one time Tamara Barney, like, sort of confronted me. Um, and then also I ran into Teddy Mellencamp once at Runyon Canyon, and she sort of, like, waved her finger at me a little bit. But I, um, mm. for the most part, everyone wait, seems... Wait, sorry, when you say waved, your f- <laughs> waved her finger, well, there was like what a, does that mean? Uh, I... I was walking up the hill and I saw her and she had been on my show and I had said on my show that she was boring on the, you know, I was pretty, that was pretty much the extent of what I said, that she was boring. And she said, I heard what you said or something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but there was a little bit of a a finger wagging with a laugh. Uh, Okay, a wag. A wag with a laugh, yeah. How how does that feel when when that is, when you know you're about to get called out a little bit? You get a little bit of that, like that stomach, that pit in your stomach of like, you know, sure. A little bit like diarrhea might sure. be nearby. Um, might be imminent. Yeah. Yeah. I like have been recapping the real world homecoming for, uh, for decider and which I've been uh, reading. And I, Dave, I, was, I read your recaps. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Yes. Good. Thank you. Uh, um, and I was, I was very mean to Glenn's band perch in the first couple, uh, uh, essays. Did they confront you? He did email. Um, and just was like, hey, thanks for the love. And I was like, I, I forget, you forget on some level that these are human beings with feelings. Right. Right. You know, even, even when you yourself are in that position sometimes to be like evaluated and commented on by people who don't know you. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah. Oh, I, I, in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, no, Glenn's real. Glenn's a real person. And on reality, I don't know how, yeah. <laughs> reality it's, TV, it's you look 30 at years them on. as cartoons too. It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. We had a nice back and forth. He's a lovely fellow. Good. I, I mean, that was a wild yeah. season, wasn't it? I mean, I thought the the first season of Homecoming was fantastic. And the second season, which I think you pointed out, it was like they all definitely hate each other. And there's like yeah. no love between them. They can't stand each other. Most of them are playing to the cameras. Um, it's like they're clearly psychologically damaged by the process in ways that they don't even know and it was it was it was dark it was yeah. real dark yeah i loved watching it i'm excited for new seasons i think they're doing new orleans right they're doing new okay. orleans next i'm excited for that i've right. spoken to a couple of them they said it was um they're i don't know i i don't know how happy they are with um how it turned out or or uh how the editors might uh spin it I'm excited. So we'll I didn't realize that the real world homecoming would be what it is. I think I was thinking of it mm-hmm. as just being some sort of like fluff reunion. And then the first season was really good. I was like, there's no way the the next season will be any drama. I thought it's just going to be them kind of, you know, a little reunion. And then the second season was drama. I'm like, oh, that's what the show is now. And I am sh- shocked by it. Uh, mm-hmm. The New Orleans one is going to be good, I think, just to catch up with Danny, because I mean, for so many gay mm-hmm. men of a certain generation, it's like he was our North Star in so many ways. I mean, one of the first yeah. gay men I remember really consistently watching on TV weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Seminal. Yeah. 
But yeah. I also want Hawaii. I want Hawaii to do it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. That was really important to me too. I, I'll never forget like Ruthie throwing a glass. She's like, I'm going to throw this glass. And then she threw it and, and tech in the pool. Wow. I went to the premiere, uh, premiere thing for the challenge all stars recently. And it oh was boy. like loaded with, with real world and those, that crew and tech was there. And it was just like, Every person from from growing up from MTV was there uh, from Real World, and it was wild. That's mind blowing. Yeah. That's too much. It was a lot. It was a lot, and That's I could see why they're all on reality TV. I was like, "Oh, you guys are all made for this." Yeah, yeah. Did you ever? Um, were you in on like the Fox Reality Channel when in the mid aughts when they had the reallys? No, I didn't see the, the reality the awards. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. So it would just be like everybody from every reality show and they would get them in a room and just ply them with booze and have them give each other awards. And it was like Johnny Fairplay from Survivor and, um, you know, a ton of real world. It was, I, I feel like it was pre Housewives just in that, in that like really tawdry reality moment of the mid aughts. You know, I remember Bravo did something called the A list awards. I think it was called the, or was oh, that right. the, Bravo did an award show. I think it was the A list awards. Maybe A list was VH1, but I know Bravo did one. And I think it was hosted by Kathy Griffin, who at the time uh, was really the face of Bravo. Uh, and then I don't know what happened to it, but it was early on in the housewives. At that time, I think it was more like workout was a reality show on that channel. And, mm -hmm blowout and it was like all those those wild all outs yeah yeah, yeah 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 we've seen some shit in our time oh we sure have um and speaking of reality show pioneers um i mean there's so much in the pop culture realm i want to ask you about but we have to ask you specifically about jessica simpson because oh, your instagram is just such a treasure trove of jessica flashbacks and you really dig into the archives and find these deeper cuts um how, how do you explain your like spiritual connection to her? Well, you know, I became fascinated with her early on in the newlyweds era. I think that was when I really, of course, I loved her pop career before that. But I noticed one time years ago, I had posted something on my Instagram account, a, a Jessica flashback. And I realized really quickly that it's like everyone at one time in their life has essentially been obsessed with Jessica Simpson, even the straight men. And I, I thinking back, like my freshman college dorm roommate uh, he had a Jessica Simpson Rolling Stone poster on, on our wall. And it was like the straight guys, like were they during the Daisy Dukes era or during, you know, they were, they all wanted Jessica Simpson. I think young women were really, uh, infatuated with Jessica during the newlyweds era. They were watching to see what she was wearing. They loved her, her Louis bags and they, you know, they were obsessed with the fashion. I think a lot of gay men really became obsessed with her early on in the pop career. And then, and even later, it's like everyone at one time or another, has really loved this woman. And I found that so fascinating because there's very few pop culture figures. You know, it, the list is small. It's like Dolly Parton, Tom Hanks, where it's like universally you can find people from every sort of subset that that loves this woman or, or loved her at one time. And so I found that really interesting. And I'm also always fascinated to go back and see how these people were treated at that era and how far we've come and and in some ways, how far we haven't come. Uh, I think we're, we're doing that a lot with like Britney Spears now, but I think if you can look at any of those women, um, during that time and, and kind of see how different things are now. And, and it's wild to look back on a lot of that. And I find it really fascinating. I just, I love to look back on those interviews or, or those making of the videos or, or whatever. I mean, I'm constantly seeing Dave on, on YouTube and old TRL clips and it's like so fun to, 
It's fun to see that. Yeah. Oh God, Dave! I just saw you last night too. We were watching the Nick Kroll show. The um, oh, we saw well, on was- YouTube there was like a collection of the publicity. It was like all of them, a whole hour mm-hmm. worth of publicity, and and you popped in, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my God! There's oh, I was like, I'm talking Dave, to him Dave, tomorrow. I didn't know you did a publicity bit. Yeah, I did a couple episodes of Kroll show. So um, funny. And I kind of don't. Yeah, it was it was real quick, but I yeah yeah. I did. That uh, was fun. Saw, my, that's Michael's favorite thing in the in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, it's so funny. But so I and I'm endlessly fascinated by like early aughts pop culture and and I think now more than ever, a lot of people are kind of interested in the nostalgia of it all. And I think times are so crazy and chaotic now. We all kind of want to travel back in time a little bit. And so I uh I do that often. Yeah. Yeah. And Jessica, you know, has carved her own path as a designer and a best-selling memoirist um and and has kind of in large part left music behind but what are your what are your hopes and dreams for her future you know what was so fascinating about her book was that it really like named names i was shocked at how much was in there and and how they didn't have her cut. Just knowing the publishing world, it's like I was shocked they didn't have her cut a lot of that stuff um, yeah. for for legal reasons or whatever. But it was so honest and open. And I think that's where she sort of shines. And I think that's what people loved about the Newlyweds era was that it was like she was just completely herself. And uh, I I think that I would love to see another reality show or something out of Jessica. Like I would love, I don't know that she ever will, but I think that's where she's best is just sort of being herself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I was just looking not to sort of shift gears, but I was just looking at those pictures. Do you remember when she was at that County fair and it was like the mom jeans thing? Yes. I was just re looking Mm. at that. And it's like crazy to me that that was like, she was so overweight. And if you look at those pictures, it's like, she looks phenomenal and her body looks looks great. Gorgeous. Yes, yes, you're exactly right. Uh, God, uh, what what monsters we all are. Every single magazine cover was like uh, mom jeans and overweight and all that stuff. And it's like, oh my God, like anyone would kill to look like that. It's like, it's amazing. I should know the answers to this, but have you, after all these years, made contact with her? No, no. And I, no. I, I've i been in touch with like her people who have said they were going to try to make it happen for her to come on my show. And then I also had went to the Kelly Clarkson show with, with someone who was a guest and, and Jessica had been there filming an episode right before. So we were like sort of ships passing in the night. She was like one of the um, people that worked at Kelly Clarkson was like, Oh my God, Danny, I followed Jessica Thursdays and she was just here. Like you just missed Uh, her. She left. And I could like see, I saw her walk like really far away, but she was walking out. So no, it didn't happen. Long story short. Oh, ships in the night. What are you uh, listening to now? What is, what's your soundtrack? You know, I, I feel like I'm constant. I was just listening to the new weekend album. Um, but mostly mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of throwbacks, but I like a little bit of everything. Like I like, I, I'm a, I like country music even. I like pop music. I, I will pretty much listen to anything. I was in an eighties phase for a while where it was like just a lot of old share that like I hadn't heard before, not the singles, mm-hmm. but like I was just trying to kind of reexamine that, um, her catalog from the like late eighties. And so I, mm-hmm. I feel like I was just in that mode for a while. I understand there may be new share music on the way. 
Your mouth to God's ears. Which, your mouth to Cher's ears. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it, the time could not be more right. She'll she'll bring us out of the darkness. Her last like original album was really good. Closer to the Truth, I think it was called. It was uh-huh. uh, pre when she did all the ABBA stuff, but I thought it was phenomenal. And, and it sort of came and went, but it's really good. Yeah. What's your take on the new ABBA? Have you listened? I haven't listened. No, no. I wish oh I had a God. better take on that. But, you know, oh, I'm always okay. happy for new ABBA. I need to dive in. We're stopping everything. Okay. Listen okay. to the album start to finish. It's so ridiculous. Okay. It is, it, it's, it is a pop blockbuster like we never hear anymore. Um, the second song is a Christmas song for no reason. Oh my God. There is a track called Keep an Eye on Dan. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's glorious. Okay. I'm diving Abba's in as soon voyage. as we're done here. I will be diving. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I was just reading are. like Christine Baranski. Somebody asked if they would do another Mamma Mia three. And she had mm-hmm. said she, she wants to get everyone on like an island and they just uh, talk about the making of the first two movies and then sing ABBA songs. I was like, I would watch that. That'd be fine for me. Oh, big time. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. 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 I, I, in a way, I want that even more than a Mamma Mia three. Right. Right. Me too. Because then Meryl can be there and we don't have to explain that she's a ghost or something. Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, what did you? <laughs> How dare you just ruin Mamma Mia too I'm for so all sorry. these people? <laughs> um, what did you grow up w- obsessed with, pop culture wise? Uh, I remember being really into reality TV, and there was a video store too. And I remember they would have like a, a calendar list of all the movie release dates. And I remember going and getting it every month. It would come out in the month, and I would highlight the movies that I wanted to see, and I would wait until they they would go on like the dollar video shelf and I would save up my money and go rent all the movies. And, and usually they were always like the Whoopi gold, every Whoopi Goldberg movie. Like I was obsessed with her. Uh, I remember Jim Carrey, Steve Martin, Bonnie hunt. Like I remember having such a, like an obsession with Bonnie hunt as a kid. And yeah, I, I kind of liked that. I, I liked a comedian, but I usually tended to like, like the Bonnie Hunt, who was the friend with all the funny lines. Like that's who I yeah. gravitated towards or, or Whoopi Goldberg, who I thought was so fascinating because she wasn't a traditional movie star at the time. And, and I, I even look back on that era and it's amazing to me how huge Whoopi was. And I, and I love that she was and, uh, she was just incredible. Yeah. What's, what's just, at the top of your whoopee list? Uh, the sister act movies. Yeah. I love the sister act movies, but I'm not okay. above like a, the associate or Eddie. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. Eddie where she coached, she coached sure. the Knicks. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Jump. I'm you're, I'm older than you, but jumping Jack flash was big for me. I mean, the color purple was, was huge for me when I was very little. And the weirdly so formative was her, um, HBO, her Broadway show that was yeah. filmed as a solo show where she just does characters. It holds, I mean, it's just like, incredible. Fa- I'm watching that at like five years old, like connecting to this. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it makes no sense. And yet it makes all the sense right. in the world. I remember watching The Associate, like I recorded it off VH- on VHS from the TV and it, she turns herself into a white man to like run a business. And it's her and Diane Weist, basically, like the two of them throughout the dream whole movie, team. which is a dream team. And I remember just like loving the scenes with her and Diane Weist. Like, I was like, so young. And it's like, I, why? No one else was. I remember I, I have two older brothers, and it's like, they didn't care about this movie. And I was like, give me more Diane Weist scenes with Whoopi. Like, I loved it. The cards were dealt early, is what you're saying. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Which, what a glorious thing. Yeah. I, 
in my book, I there's one chapter where I sort of think back on all my touchstones of of what um, what sort of turned me gay or what I think were early signs, and it's like so much of that. It's like I remember taping the first Wives Club off off TV on a VHS tape at you know 12 years old or 11 years old or something, and uh, that was of course I was gay. What what straight yeah. young man was taping the first Wives Club? And yeah, I would tape over yeah. like the Terminator, like my brothers had the Terminator and I would grab their tape and tape over it. Yeah. I'm older than both of you. And for me, it was uh, Madeline Kahn and Stockard Channing. Oh, yeah. Stockard. Like it's. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, our, our families should have known. There should. Future generations should know. Right. Yeah. The last time I visited no home, I, I, should know the I took a photo of my old bookshelf with like all the VHSs that I had taped movies from TV and they were every single one of them. It was like taped over um, Major League with a league of their own or, you know, like everyone was yeah. the gayest movie ever. Uh, my mom just said when, when I was uh, probably like five years old, we went on a family vacation to Disney World. And this was a big, big deal because we went all my dad never traveled. He went with us. Our grandma came and we stayed in the hotel at the park, which was a huge deal. You know, uh, my dream come true. And when we were in the hotel room, a trailer came on TV for Return to Oz. And I didn't know that I didn't know about it. I was, of course, like deeply obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. And I was like, "Mom, we ha- we have to go home." I, this I was like pointing at the TV, like we, we have to we have to leave. She was like, "What are you, what do you where do you want to go?" And I was like, "This movie's out. Like I can't just go to Disney World." And she was like, "It's not it's not out for like two more months. It's not going to help if we leave." And I was like beside myself for the rest of the trip to Disney World. But anyway, I just thought of it because what you were saying about VHS tapes. She just sent me a box of old stuff that included a VHS tape with a masking tape across the front with Return to Oz written on it. <laughs> like so Matt's like my tape. shitty wow. old taped version of a movie that is now streaming. But I remember nice to have on a things. family vacation, we had like one of those really tiny uh, TVs with the VCR attached that we would bring in the car mm-hmm. to drive to Florida on a family vacation. Oh. And so I got to be in charge of like what we brought, the movies we brought. And I found an old journal that had a list of the movies that I was... I had written down to take on our family vacation to Florida. And at the top of the list was Stepmom with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. It's like, what the fuck was I bringing? Mm. It's like a movie where these two women learn to be friends when before one of them dies and it's Julia Roberts, Susan Sarandon, so dramatic. And it's like, I wanted to take that on our spring break or whatever. Vacation. <laughs> you know what? Kids like kids like to cry in a car. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's like to you have a great good, taste. long cry on a on a yeah. long road trip, and their parents love it too. You know, I so think we, I think that was smart. sometimes just need to get out the emotions, right? Wherever you can get them out at. That's right. Agreed. So let's talk about the book. Um, it it's so funny and so heartfelt, oh, and you. just feels so, like so. Your your voice is so strong and really comes through it. Um, Thank you. Before we talk about it, do you have a, a, an excerpt of it you would care to share with us? I, NPR style. I do. I do not. But I, I can. I can pull one up. Um, that you know, I could pull up sort of the ending of it. I think since we're talking about nostalgia, maybe this would be a good um, a good place to start. But you know, the book is really a love letter to all the pop culture and stuff that we've been we've been talking about and. And I remember um, early on in the writing process, I would I would write a chapter and I'd send it to my editor and I was like, are there, there are too many pop culture references? Are there too many movie TV things? And she said, no, that's you. Like, 
lean into that. And sort of the idea was that if you don't understand a movie reference on page seven, maybe you will on page eight. And so it's like littered with all that stuff. And I really want it to be, I, I mean, we talked about my youth and stuff and it's like, I remember I loved people who loved movies, TV, pop culture. And so I wanted a young teenager who loves that stuff to to read it and, and hopefully, you know, enjoy it. And there was a book that I really loved, um, called uh, Swish, The Quest to Become the Gayest Person Ever by a guy named Joel Durfner. And it was the first book I remember reading right around college or maybe shortly after where it was like, oh, that's a gay man who loves pop culture and ha- is is okay in life. Like he's having sex, he's got a career. And it was like, you know, the, one of the first times I really felt like, oh, I'm going to be okay. And so I I hope that, you know, maybe some young man somewhere will be reading this. Um. I could read a little chat. This is a more dramatic chapter. I don't know if this is like representative of the whole book, but it's a little more dramatic and it talks about nostalgia. Uh, Recently, I went to a Los Angeles restaurant with a pop-up Instagram installation. People crowded around to take pictures for social media, crafting the perfect captions and using the photo to show off to all their friends online. A few days later, I flew to visit my family in Northeast Ohio, spending lots of time in early June with my nieces and nephews. As the sun set one night and an old Faith Hill song played on an outdoor speaker, I watched the kids running barefoot and happy on the green grass, and I thought about all the times I spent as a child catching fireflies in old mayonnaise jars at dusk in the same place. I gathered all the youngsters for an Uncle Danny photo, and although it was hard to get everyone to look at the camera, the lightning bugs lit our smiles more perfectly than the manufactured twinkle lights that are strewn together on a restaurant IG set ever could. I often think about when I was their age, when my parents would assemble us in the unfinished basement before bed, and we would line up alongside the wall where there was a rickety piece of lumber barely attached to a doorway. My brothers and I would lean up against it one by one to mark our height. I would wear extra socks and stand on my tippy toes to gain a few extra centimeters. Dad would draw a line on the wood with a pen while mom would tell him the date to write above the measurement. This repeated once a year, or whenever they would remember to corral us in the lower level. Our family of five gathered to mark time in between basketball practices, second jobs, mortgage payments, and puberty. That is, until we grew taller than the loose piece of timber. One by one, we moved out of the house we grew up in and started our own families. My parents knew back then that life moves so quickly we must take a moment to acknowledge where we're at and look back at how far we've come. I tried my best to appear a little bit taller, to rush time, but now I'd give anything to go back and relive one of those nights exactly where I was, surrounded by the people I love most in a moment that was ours, when everything seemed possible. I hope that one day my nieces and nephews will hear the same Faith Hill song, think about those nights catching glowworms, and feel the same, yearning to go back to a beautiful moment in time. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and although it's important to live in the now, I love knowing I have a bank of experiences I can escape to when the present is too much to handle. The reason I love 90s and early aughts pop culture so much is because it helps me with my great escape, allowing me to time travel to those happy moments as often as often as I want. The things we look back on from our youth are more than just music, movies, TV shows, or toys. They're the quickest road to nostalgia and one of the er- one of the easiest ways to recapture the feelings we had when we were our most innocent and optimistic selves and the closest thing to getting into a time machine alongside Doc Brown. Uh, my podcast usually ends by doing a little breathing exercise and sharing some cheesy motivational words. We get so caught up in our day-to-day that we off, that we forget to take a moment to catch our breath. So breathe in and breathe out, 
Measure your life not by the markings on the wood, but by the measurements there within. Let the fireflies guide you through the fog. Reminisce in the quiet of your mind. Look back at how far you've come and embrace the nostalgia. It's hard to unremember the bad in life, but the good is a flashback away, and the sun will always rise to remind you that new to remind us that new memories start with the shine of the morning rays and continue through dusk. That was like a dramatic. Oh, you got me teary, Danny. Thank you. Beautiful, Good Lord. Danny. Thank you for sharing that. that. Really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's hopefully you'll have more laughs than than that. But oh yeah, I, but, uh, plenty of laughs. But I'm glad you that you read obvious. something a little more more tender and vulnerable because that that's an important part of it too. And you also, you know write openly about struggles with anxiety and depression. Can you can you talk a little bit about, you know, how those issues have shown up and what some of the red flags were? Yeah, you know, I I never I didn't want to shy away from like the the sad stuff or the dramatic stuff and I think there's even like a lot of laughs within those things and um for me my depression I had started seeing signs of it. I actually started having hallucinations, which um, I had learned later was was sort of common. But uh, there was one particular day I remember as being a low point, and I write about it in the book. And it was a trip to Disney. I, I was feeling like I couldn't leave the house. I didn't want to leave what I called my like safety zone. So I would sit in my my bedroom, and it was so hard for me to go any place other than those places I. I had gone all the time. So I could go to the grocery store, but if somebody had asked me to go to a party somewhere, it would be too overwhelming. And I remember my boyfriend was like, we should go to Disneyland, which in retrospect is crazy. Like when you're in a deep depression, maybe Disneyland's like not the best place to go to, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I remember on the drive there, he was driving and, and I remember looking outside and like, I was picturing the, the cars sort of driving off the freeway. And I was, that's what sort of, that's what I was seeing in my brain. And I remember thinking like, that's not normal. And then my, my breath got really heavy and I started having a panic attack. And I remember around at at that same time, I would think about my family and friends and, and the depression would can convince you of anything. So the depression would convince me that my parents were evil, or I would see them in my head as evil. I would have these hallucinations. And uh, that was the Disneyland trip was sort of my low point when I realized like, oh, I I really have to work to get out of this. And so my sort of serious uh, depressive episode was about a month in total. And then I would still obviously have different things that would happen after that and, and moments. And I can still have those moments, but it was about a month where I was in a serious deep depression where it was like a huge struggle to get out of bed. It was like just getting to the shower was like, you know, a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And are you comfortable sharing how you, how you did address it? Yeah. I, that, that Disneyland trip was the point where I was like, I need to make some changes. And so I did all of those things people say to do. It was like the, I did the meditation, the journaling, the eating healthy, the trying to work out as much as possible. The, uh, I, then also seeing a therapist, that was probably the most helpful thing to do, but I just threw myself in. It was like, okay, I need to do all of these things. And it was really good because it also taught me that those were things I need to exercise regularly. You know, after that happened, it was like I, before then I would maybe dip into meditation, you know, or, or I would dip into some of those other things. And, and that time 
was a good a good way to learn like you have to work out your mental health just as much as your physical health. So now I see a, a therapist and I haven't had a, a depressive episode like that, but I certainly have days where it's like, you know, I, I can dip into that or, or I notice I'm better now at seeing the signs of like that feeling coming on and, and remembering that month. And I, I'll feel those feelings or, or see some of those signs. And it's like, oh, that's, I need to step all my stuff into high gear. I need to see the therapist. I need to think about maybe medication. I need to, to do these other things. And so, uh, I, it definitely was a learning process, but, um, I'm grateful that it, I, I learned and it was just, I, I remember that month and it was just, it was hell. It was hell. For me, the, uh, morning is really the big difference. And, you know, if, if I, if I sort of follow a certain routine that I've learned works for me that I, I know I can sort of set the tone for a relatively healthy day. Um, and if I don't, I could easily plunge into darkness, but do you have a, is, is the morning a big, uh, sort of sacred time for you? What's your routine? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big routine person. I mean, I need to have my sort of set ways and I also, I'm someone who does better when I'm constantly busy too. I think if I, if I have long stretches where I don't have work to do, I think that kind of makes my mind spiral a little bit. And so I am better if I plan things out. Um, I'm good having a calendar and everything. I always think of that Joan Rivers documentary, which I thought was so great. And she loved a busy calendar. And it's like, I, I kind of relate to that in a lot of ways. I like a busy calendar. Same. Yeah, me too. An idle mind. What's that? An idle mind is a devil's playground, or something like that. Is that the no question? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, we know that you are happily boot up now with your your boyfriend. Um, but before we talk about him, can you give us a taste of some of your pre relationship exploits that you you touch on in the book? Yeah. Uh, you know, I dated around, I've been with my boyfriend now for, it's almost 12 years uh, we've been together. But before that, you know, I I was dating around, I lived in Chicago before here, and I felt like I went through a lot of the, I dated the actor, I dated a cowboy, I dated like, just kind of, you know, I dated around. And uh, this was the first guy that really stuck. I had one sort of serious relationship before this one um, that was, I think, a year and a half or, or two years long, but, um, you know, dating's hard, dating's hard. And I, I feel lucky and, and happy that I had met Matt, uh, right before it was like right around the time all the apps were starting. And, and I see a lot of people dating in, in apps. And I, I feel like it's tough because everyone's already planning the next date while they're on a date. And, um, you know, we had just met right before I remember grinder had been around, but it was, at the time thought of as more of like a hookup app. Uh, this was, I guess, 12 years ago, but um, there wasn't a whole lot. Now I feel like everyone is, we're all app dating. Yeah. Um, it, when you did meet him, what was it about him that made him stick? It was just easy. I don't know. It was just easy. It, it was like, we just got along really well. I like him a lot as like a, a person and a friend and everything just sort of fell in. It was it was never, I think I was the more dramatic one early on in the relationship and he's older than I am. But uh, I, I was in my 20s when I met him. And I think in your 20s, you're kind of almost programmed to be a little more dramatic. And I remember him thinking like, this is not, you're not going to care about this fight in 
a week or something. Like I would start a fight about some nonsense. And so I think, uh, our, even now to this day, I think like our fights are small, our fights are about nonsense and we still have our fights, but it's like about some, he didn't close the door properly or, you know, some bullshit thing. We don't have sort of the, the, our, we don't have the bigger fights. And, and I do think, um, we both fight in a good way, meaning, uh, he shuts down if my voice gets raised, right? It's just sort of like his coping. Um, so we never get super loud with each other. It's like we take our space if we're fighting and then we're able to come back and, and make up. Uh, and then also the other thing I always think about is my mom told me that in a, when you think of a long-term relationship, there's going to be good years and bad years. And if you're committed to spending your whole life with someone, then it's okay if you guys are having a bad year. And sometimes that's because of, of money or because of, uh, work situation or whatever it is, or you want to find a house or a living situation. Like there's going to be good and bad years. And so I think thinking of our relationship in those terms, I never really stress if we're having a, a bad moment. It's like, I know that we'll, we'll be able to get through it and we'll hopefully have a good year on the other side of the bad one. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, tell, yeah. Tell, tell me about uh, your family. You are the youngest of three boys. Yeah. The, how, how much older? Um, my oldest brother's five years older than I am. And they're all Midwest Ohio, Northeast Ohio. They all live in the same neighborhood, like a street away from each other. They're all together all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of the crazy one who moved away. But uh, yeah, a Catholic family. I grew up going to Catholic grade school. I was listening to your interview with Michael Patrick King, and I was relating so much to the stuff about uh, his Catholicism growing up. And sure. uh, it's, it's fascinating. So yeah, I was... I was raised um, in sort of typical Midwest fashion. I think uh, I was uh, sent up my book to a friend and they said something about some of the family stories are very Griswold-esque. And I feel like it was my dad's very much like a Clark Griswold in, in a lot of ways. He's got the, the temper um, and my mom's sort of like, let's pretend everything's perfect and brush everything under the rug. So Catholic. Yeah. Yeah. So Catholic. Um, what kind of older brothers were your older brothers or are you? They're brothers? very protective, like very, you yeah. know, very protective of me. And it's a, it's a tight knit Italian family. So it's like, you know, we can fight, but like if anyone says a bad word about anyone in our family, it's like they're, they're protective. And oh, it's on. So even when I came out to them, it was like, I were, they were, they were just concerned. They were like ready to like fight anyone who would say anything negative about it. Like that was their first instinct was to just protect me. And so, yeah, I, I feel very lucky. I love that. And they both are married with kids now and it's fun to see them being fathers and they're great fathers and everything. But I feel so lucky in a lot of ways to be the youngest. Cause I just, I have two older brothers that like would kill for me. And I, I love that. Yeah. And are they all still in, is it so Solon or yeah, Solon? Yeah, Solon, Ohio. Solon. Yeah, they're still in, they're still there. And they're, again, all together. Every every time I call them, they're with each other. It's like my, my parents babysit their kids a lot because they're a street away. And so no matter who I call, it's like they're with other people and in the family. And and so they're super close. And I miss that. That's the hardest thing I think about living here is just I, I miss them. And I, I always feel like left out of the family stuff because they're, they're so close. Right. Now, you uh, took an active role in curating their artistic experience growing up, especially in the car. 
Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. W- with with films and whatnot. What did they pass on to you? Well, I, it's so interesting you asked that because just recently I had a conversation with my mom, and I I decided I wanted to dive into all the things that my mom loves the most, pop culture wise. And yeah. so I asked her her favorite movies, and I had I had never seen The Way We Were, which I know is crazy, but I just watched. I it. just watched that with my mom. Oh my god! Wait, so Dave, did you like it? What What did you like it? Um, I fell I fell asleep a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's good. I, you know, it, yeah, I can recognize that it is a good movie, but it didn't, it didn't grab me. I see. I, uh, I loved it, but I know what you're saying. And it does end yeah. abruptly. I thought. Yes, it does. It definitely does. I think ultimately what I learned is that it's a move. It's a movie where my mom gets to look at Robert Redford. Right. I mean, he looks so good in that movie too. I mean, he so looks good. so good, so good in that movie. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was much more, it was heavier than I expected it to be. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. And they have such we good have chemistry great. in it too. I think like they do. That's what's amazing. They really do. Uh, it made me think that no yeah. one has chemistry now. I was watching, I was like, man, movies nowadays, like the leads don't have any chemistry. It's like the back yeah. in the day, they had much more chemistry. Um, but I had yeah, asked her, I was like, give me your favorite movies. I want to dive in. And growing up, we always watched, because I had two older straight brothers, it was like, we watched my dad's movies. We watched Animal House mm-hmm. and Caddyshack and, vacation and all those but we never sat down and watched my mom's favorite movies and so i i she gave me like a little list and and we've been i've been watching them and talking to her about them and it's been so incredible to see her sort of light up and i i love that about pop culture is how it can kind of connect all of us and it's like we've been able to have great conversations about uh the way we were i i, I had watched love story which was another movie from the 70s and mm. she um when when i told her that it was like she got so excited you know because i was taking interest in something she loved and so i was raised with a lot of those movies my dad loved but i've been trying to like uh, watch the stuff my mom likes. And I think my mom musically raised me. Like I always, she always had Tony Braxton, Celine Dion, Gloria Estefan, Whitney, Mariah. Like she had all the divas playing in the household. She loved it. Uh, she loved a dramatic ballad. And so I was raised with her music, but movie wise, it's been fascinating to go back and, and see. And I encourage anyone, if you're trying to connect with your parents, or even if you're not like, just ask them and, and see, and see if you like the movies. And what I learned too, is like, I line up with most of my mom's interests. I like a dramatic love story. I like a, you know, a hot Robert Redford. I'm it. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan O'Neill too. I, have you seen What's Up Doc? Ryan O'Neill. Did you see What's Up Doc? No. I mean, to not me, not in ages. To me, like that, Ryan O'Neill looks so good in that, and I think he's like sort yeah. of troubling. I think that he's had his issues, so you know we won't mm-hmm. go there. But uh, he in What's Up Doc with Barbara Streisand looks like almost maybe even better than Redford and Way We Were. Yeah, he was beautiful back yeah. in the day. Yeah, really was. So you were talking about your your. Um, family all being together when you call and all your nieces and nephews all being there and the way that it makes you you miss them and people i mean people should read the book to get your sort of own take on marriage and where you and your boyfriend are with that but what about having kids oh yeah we definitely want kids i yeah i for sure want kids and and hopefully soon ish i mean i'm not in any sort of rush or anything but i I want, you know, as soon as I have money to have kids, it's like, that's the, that's the sort of issue now. It's like, we need the money to do so. But, um, yeah, I want, I definitely want, I've always known I wanted to be a father and stuff. 
And what I find fascinating, I know we're, this is a gay podcast, but it's interesting to me because when I was growing up, there weren't any gay parents on in media to see. And now, uh, you know, I look at someone like Andy Cohen or Anderson Cooper who are on TV talking about their sons, or we can see them on Instagram and it's like crazy to me. And I feel like it must, it must change young gay people's perspective on that because at least when I was a teen, there was no example. I can't think of one that I remember a gay dad on in media. Do you? No. Again, well, I'm old enough to remember when there were no gay uh, people at all. (laughs) And that, yeah, I mean, just the idea that that is there is, uh, is revolutionary. And I, I don't, I don't think the kids will understand how powerful that is because they will always have had it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's extremely powerful. Yeah. I mean, just you can hop on Instagram and see Andy and his son just playing with blocks or something. And I I, I was a huge, uh, hugely obsessed with the Rosie O'Donnell show. And I remember she would talk about her kids, but she wasn't out on her show, um, on her talk show. But it was like, that was sort of, I think you kind of knew that she was raising her kids and they were adopted. We thought she was raising them alone. So I think that was sort of like the closest thing I can think of to the mm-hmm. idea that you could have be a parent and, and be gay. Um, but I, I feel so happy now that young kids have that. Yeah. yeah Do you guys want kids? Are you guys kid people? Dave is a, uh, is a, uh, hey, I don't well, think I, so. I don't think so. I, I, um, maybe further down the road, uh, like a, uh, a foster situation or an older, harder to place kid. Um, I don't, I, I think I'm past the years where I can handle a, a baby. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I open to it, but it's so, it's so far in the future and I am old. So, you know, so probably not, but that's okay. Matt. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it's, it's interesting. Even like earlier in this, podcast i when somebody would ask us that my answer was a hard no um and now it has there is more i don't know nuance there there's more room for discussion we're getting married in a few months and then we're kind of like let's do that and then we're gonna have that conversation afterward but like i think it'll probably happen oh i love that yeah i can see that happening for sure and you'd be a fantastic dad the past couple of years if anything I feel like I've been questioning it more just because the world seems such a in such disarray that it's like that well, that part thing. scares me. Like I'm not mm-hmm. the fatherhood part doesn't scare me, but I I am sort of terrified of like the world ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm beyond terrified of it. I'm expecting it. Right. right. Um, but in the meantime, we're here. We're here. We're queer. We're, we're going to do it. We're alive. Yeah. That's right. Here, we're queer. We're alive. Danny Pellegrino, I'm going to uh, um, leave you with a, a piece of information I received this morning. Please. Uh, related to Ryan O'Neill, uh, an early version of The Bodyguard was developed for Ryan O'Neill and his girlfriend at the time, Diana Ross. <gasps> Wait, he was with Diana Ross? Yeah. Wow. I feel like that I was just, I just learned that piece of information today as well. Well, to bring us for full circle, uh, Diana Ross is the mother-in-law of Ashley Simpson, sister of Jessica, which to me is That's a right. fact that will always shock me. The idea that Ashley and Jessica are sitting at Thanksgiving dinner potentially with uh, Diana Ross. 
It's wild. With Diana fucking Ross and Tracy Ellis Ross. <laughs> Crazy. And yeah, that's, Crazy. That, that is, I mean, God, a, a, that's a world to break into somehow. Wait, Dave, real quickly, what you must have interviewed Jessica yeah. a million times. How is Jessica? What do we, what do you think? I don't know that I, I don't know that I ever did. Okay. I don't know that I ever okay. did. Um, yeah, she, yeah, I don't, I'm sure I was around her at some point. I don't know. It, it, all of those kids were kids. And so when I would do on air stuff with them, that, you know, they were good and they hit their marks and we would just get the thing done. And then I really felt like it was inappropriate for me to be like, Hey, 16 year old girl, let's hang out. Like, cause yeah, I'm 28. Like I, it just seems so weird. Like, you know, it, it, we would have like a cordial relationship, but to like truly get to know them just felt uh, unseemly somehow. So I, I mostly didn't. I bet other people you know? did though. I bet. Were there other hosts that Absolutely. were creepy like that? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Will I name names? No, but, uh, and also like executives. I, there were so many people who were like really proud of the, you know, relationships that they had uh, cultivated with, uh, minors. And yeah. that's weird. Yeah. Oh, it's just fundamentally strange. That whole um, era. I'm sure, was she, I'm sure she was though. very nice. Never heard a bad thing about her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel that way about Brittany. I, I've known people, known people who worked with her, and everyone always just says she was the sweetest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. She was lovely. I love that. Uh, Nick Lachey, a gentleman. You know, he's my arch nemesis. Mm, um, careful, careful. Your arch nemesis. Oh, wait a <laughs> Not minute. Really. Wait I mean, minute. I, it's well, sort hold of on. A joke, back but... up. Back up. What's happening? <laughs> he and, What's happening? Tell me everything. He and Melissa Joan Hart know what they did. Um, no, I. Uh, okay. It's more of a, an allegiance to Jessica, I'd say, than a, a vendetta I against see. Nicholas. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Jeff Timmons is the hot one anyway. We know that. I mean, come on. He was always the hottest one. And uh, to me, I always. Yeah, absolutely. I was always more of a 98 Degrees person or, or fan because they were like the beefy guys. Like, I always felt like NSYNC, mm -hmm. although I love Nick, I love JC, should say, like more than my heart can express. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the ends or the 98 degrees guys, they had like some muscle to them and they were all, they were beefy. And I like, I, beefy. That, that's what I was into as a kid. They're corn fed yeah. Ohio boys, right? They're Cincinnati mm -hmm. boys. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Singing football players. I, 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 we, yeah. Obviously we, we understand your, your rivalry with, with he who shall not be named, but Melissa Joan Hart, I don't, I mean, Melissa. I know she's a Republican, so I'm, I'm ready to write her off just on that alone, but I'm not, I don't know that I know about your rivalry. You know, it that. started as a joke. Um, she had posted something, uh, a meme that I did and it like, she had comment, she had gotten it from my page. It had like my name on it. This was years ago. And she posted, she commented, posted it and posted it on her own page and said, I don't know who did this. And I was like, but she just commented and it says my name right there. <laughs> like, you know who did this. Yeah, you very much know who did this. And so then it became a joke. I called her Melissa Joan Fart. And I kind of took it a oh. step too far. And I, I, people, when now when they ask, I always just say she's my nemesis. But there's, it, it's really sort of a, just a joke I took too far. But, but also, I, I am mad at her. You know, it's, there's I some truth too. to everything. Uh, Absolutely. And she what is was crazy. The she is like, yeah, I think, a little name? nuts. Um, it was, uh, remember she did this holiday movie with Mario Lopez called Holiday in Handcuffs. Okay. Uh, oh, I didn't remember that. I'm, I'm ashamed no, yeah, to say, I've but absolutely continue. not. Okay, well, you it. have to go see it. It's completely unhinged in the best way. But basically, Melissa Joan Hart's character uh, chains herself or handcuffs herself to Mario Lopez. <laughs> And drags him home with her for the holidays. And the poster for it is Melissa Joan Hart 
in handcuffs dragging Mario Lopez. You had to Lopez. think to say heart. You were you kind of did the other word. I know I want to say fart. Uh, but she's dragging him on the poster, and I the meme was something silly of like. Uh, me starting or me forcing my boyfriend to start Christmas early or something along those lines. Silly, whatever. Um, and that was the meme she reposted on her thing. And then, yeah, said, I don't, who did this? And I was like, you literally just commented on my post. You liked it and you screenshotted it and it has my name on it. And you said, who did this? It's like me. <laughs> and when you're, you know, I was a, I was a meme years ago. I was a meme account. You're, you're trying to gain a following and stuff like that. And she, she just came and snatched it like she was fuck Jerry, fuck Melissa no, Joan Fart, fuck Melissa Joan Fart, fuck her. Your thought, your broad thoughts on uh, Mario Lopez. You know, I'm fascinated by that man. Of course, I I also grew up with Saved by the Bell, and I, I don't know. Is he? I, I don't really know much about his like sort of ideologies like i just know him from saved by the bells so like i don't even know if he's troublesome or not i pretty much know him from holiday and handcuffs and and saved by the bell and that's about it yeah but he was high yeah and nip tuck and And every time you check into a hotel wait oh he's there telling you about the movies oh yeah and wait didn't he also cheat on he was like engaged to ali landry and like cheated on her at the bachelor party i do remember that that was like a story oh i did not know that yeah and I'll never forget his nip tuck shower scene, which was very oh, revolutionary. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember his nip tuck shower? You to look either. that up. That's important for all the no. listeners here. Look up Mario Lopez nip tuck shower. Just. Okay. It's important. <laughs> okay. Or before, uh, before uh, holidays in handcuffs. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Maybe at the we'll same time or something. You know, you can. Two sure. windows open. Yeah. We live multi screen <laughs> lives. We can do it all. Um, <laughs> Danny, thank you so much oh, for being you. here. Thank I you, mean, thank talk you, about a long time coming. Uh, I feel like everyone's breathing a sigh of relief that this finally happened. Fine. Well, I love happens. you both, and you both need to come on Everything Iconic. And and oh, I'd love and to. Dave, I will grill you with I'd MTV you questions because you know this was me biting Great. my tongue and trying not to ask you a million TRL questions. I'm, listen, I, for you, I'm I, I'm an open book. Oh my God, and Matt, you know I love you, and and I know you're a housewives junkie, so you have to come on. Homophilia is a World of Wonder production, produced and edited by Kate Moldenhauer. Special thanks to Randy Barbato, Fenton Bailey, Stephen Sims, Edward Bochniak, and the whole team at World of Wonder. We love you. And theme music by my Ben Wise. Yes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HomophiliaPod. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Thank you for listening. We love you. We love you.